Welcome back, everybody. I am proud to announce that today's episode is sponsored by podcorn.com. We have noticed that a large percentage of our audience are content creators like Twitch streamers, podcasters, and YouTubers. And we came across this gem of a website that hooks podcasters and content creators up with sponsors who are looking specifically to sponsor podcasts. So we just log into the account, check out the sponsorships tab. And because we're principled and choose and a little bit OCD. We go through the entire list and say, no, no, no. Okay, that's a perfect sponsor. You are allowed to make any offer you want to any sponsorship so you can choose the exact company you want to work with personally. And I got to tell you guys, it has been incredible. So check it out. It's podcorn.com. You will not be disappointed. All right, let's get into this episode. What's up, Spellsingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flynn. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink, Beer Up. What's up, everybody? We are talking today about the most ridiculous the set that's not a set set it's not out yet yeah all the spoilers aren't out yet so this is more of an opinion piece than it is a review really i mean we'll probably get to touching on review style but it's not completely finished by the time that we are releasing these episodes if it's not released by the time that you guys are hearing this then i guess you know good game watsy we're talking about the mystery booster set set which is weird because the mystery boosters were a Magic Fest exclusive that was not actually an exclusive, but there were cards that are not in Mystery Boosters that were in Mystery Boosters. So the way we're going to structure this episode is we've each written down our top fives. Now, not all of the cards have been spoiled, but we've got a pretty good idea of what's in this set. And there's some duds. There's some really good shit. And we're going to talk about what really strikes our fancy. But first, I want to tell you guys about this wonderful survey that we've got going on. So we really did. We wanted to get some feedback from our actual fan base, which is why we're kind of pushing this on Spotify and Google Play and all the podcasting apps more than we are on just you know Twitter and Instagram because this is where we get the most engagement. We want you guys to check out the link in the bio. We It's only 10 questions, pretty quick survey, but we want to know from your perspective where should we take this show? And that's really what it is. It's about the structure of the show, the content of the show, what you like, what you don't like. Obviously, we get positive comments somewhat often, and I think people are a little bit less likely to give negative comments. So not necessarily we don't want you to come and give negative comments, but be constructively criticize what's going on and let's know what you want to see from us. Yeah, it's just we're trying really hard, especially in the, few, in the next coming months, to push our YouTube and grow as a channel and as a community. And you guys are part of that. So we want to hear your guys' opinions and your voices. And you do matter. We will take in everything that you say in consideration and grow with you guys. So before we get into the episode, Drew, we've got a few brews going on here. I have selected some fine breweries and their products for us to enjoy. So starting off, we've got the Roadhouse Brewing Mountain Jam Volume 5 Hazy IPA. So this might be somewhat familiar to some of you because this is the next version of the Surprise Surprise Mountain Jam Volume 4 that we had on the podcast. So these guys are out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 
I believe that one won beer of the show. I think so. I mean, it was a really good one. It was good. So Roadhouse Brewing always has their pairings. So this is a hazy India pale ale with pineapple and guava, which pales where oh shit pairs well with pugilism. Pugilism? Nah, pugilism. <laughs> it's a little puggle. And pork carnitas. Notes. <laughs> Cloudy. All my favorite things. Dank. We're talking pineapple and pork carnitas. I'm in. Let's go. So on the nose, uh, it's tropical as fuck. It's a bit hoppy. Uh, when you taste it, it's smooth. It's delicious. It's a hazy IPA. Comes strong with the fruity flavors. Ends on this crisp, bitter note. And then the bitterness kind of uh, develops as it lingers. I just see Corey swallow with his eyes closed and a face full of bliss. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's everything Drew said. Like, you get the citrus, like pineapple notes at the beginning, and then you get the IPA, and then just fades into the guava, and then it just lingers into sweetness. Super good. This is the better pineapple cart. This is a pineapple cart with funk and with a little little hops and bitter. Maybe a little too piney for me, but honestly, it's not bad. I just like how sweet it is. Yeah, yeah. it's delicious. That is... That is a summer goddamn beer. Corey, your beer we're saving for last, so Gary, and go ahead. Oh, hell yeah. Before that, this is a 6.5% ABV, and because it is hazy naturally, they're like, eh, there are some IBUs, but we're not going to list them. This one I've got here is the Wind River Out of Order Porter, and it's sitting pretty at 5.5 ABV. IBUs unlisted. Brewed with Wind River Glacier Water. That is... Gotta be a close contender for the best porter I've ever had. Ooh. It doesn't have a ton of that, what I call earthy, mushroomy kind of thing. Like, it's subtle, but it's there. Super round. It's a lot sweeter than a lot of porters we've had. It doesn't have any other flavors, so this isn't a chocolate porter or an oat porter or anything like that, but it it does what it wants to do really well. So, these are all, damn, relatively speaking, local beers from Idaho. By that, I mean we've got one from Wyoming, Jackson, one from Wyoming in Pinedale, and one from Montana up in Missoula. It's incredibly one note. And like there's no, it doesn't linger on your tongue, but that one taste is really good. It's really sweet. It's that malty goodness that you'd expect from a yeah. porter. And I agree when you said it doesn't have any crazy flavors like chocolate or oats or anything like that. It is incredibly smooth and I think it might be too smooth it's kind of got that sort of watered down taste yeah. we've had a, a few times on beers where it's just like comes and goes like the flavor just yeah. gets you and then it's gone so slurping it mistake <laughs> try and just like have a nice not slurpable sip. yeah it's like sweet and malty sweet malty gone I'd agree with that like it's good but each sip I take leaves me wanting more but each next sip doesn't fulfill what I want out of it. I just think it's too one-dimensional. Yeah. And last but not least, I teased this on Instagram a couple weeks ago. During Drew's Brews Week of Brews, uh, this is one that my brother actually brought back from Montana. And he had you know, an extra four-pack because he drank a four-pack there. And he's like, yo, this is good shit. And he showed Corey a picture of it. Corey's like, yo, that looks like good shit. He's like, yo, Drew, this is good shit. And I had it. And I was like, yo, Instagram, this is good shit. So now here we are, Corey. So this is the the coffee cold smoke scotch ale with coffee. It's 6.5 ABV and 11 IBUs. On the can says contents, beer. <laughs> so I can confirm that. That's good to know. 
So right on the nose, it smells just like coffee. It looks just like coffee. Yeah, it's a cold brew in a can. I do like scotch ales, and I like cold brew coffee. And this is just hitting all the right notes on both of those. So cold smoke in Montana is what they call just like the super light, fluffy snow. Because it just looks like smoke from an angle. And so it's just the cold version of it. And oh shit, that is more coffee than I remember off of that snow. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. It's just that super malty goodness and sweetness from Scotch Ale. But then the lingering aftertaste is... So much coffee. It's just coffee. And not like a super bitter burnt coffee or anything. No, it's just it's a, like a, a nice nicely roasted, roasted, but like balanced cold brew. This is way better than the other coffee beer we've had in the past weeks. Exponentially. Oh, yeah. Fresh coffee. There's subtle bit of sweetness in there that comes from that malt. Um, oh, that's so much better. It's not that like acrid. There's no burn. Yeah. yeah. That's just like a, like you said, like a sweet cold brew in a scotch ale. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of that funk that you would get from a scotch ale normally. Yeah. Mostly because it's masked by that coffee stuff, but in a delicious way. Yeah. If you like coffee, you definitely got to come and try this beer. I would say it is passable. Half marks. Move along. No, it's actually really good, but uh, we do need to jump to the next hoop here. So like we said, this is going to be kind of our top five. This is sort of uh, what we like about and what's coming And then we're going to narrow it down to a top one, Mana Crypt, and we're out. Thanks, guys. So that was the summary <laughs> of this beer was episode. Dope. Uh, no, but for real, uh, this quote-unquote set has 100% reprints, and it has some real big bombs. This is a set that has been... Like, thrown together as, like, the epitome of chaos draft. I didn't even hear about it. This is, it came about quickly. Yeah, I think it it was spoiled end of October. Yeah, there's a lot. Or announced, and then the the full list was spoiled in November because it was at the convention. And And then there was, like, honestly, it's kind of just dead air for a while on it. And then it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is an actual real set that people get to play with. Yeah, you can buy it later in March. So it's kind of a... A weird set because it is not a real set, but at the same time, it is being marketed as a set for drafting, and it's kind of like the ultimate chaos draft based on the last you know fifteen years of Magic. Yeah. Like there's cards from I think all of the cards are in modern frame. So ever since like what two thousand twelve? I don't know. They've I think when on the website that when they were talking about it, they said that they're they're updating the frames, but keeping the original, original art. Yeah, nice. and and then they're adding a little planeswalker symbol to yeah. denote that it's part of the mystery. Booster part of the yeah. mystery. Yeah, because each one of them keeps the same set symbol. Yeah, from it was originally printed. Set, in. They have the same set symbol and the rarity, and so it's like a weird mishmash of current card frames and art and original card frames and art. Yeah. What I will say before we dive into our favorites here is that statistically we looked through this and of course we were tempted to sort by price and you get Mana Crypt at the top. Quickly things taper off into very inexpensive cards. So I, feel I would like- not say inexpensive. I think that the list goes down to like 20, 15, 10, but like there's a solid grouping of like 
10 $15 cards that just go on for a while. And that's yeah, I'm not saying there's reprints. not a good amount of them, but still proportionally, the majority of them are five cent cards. And that's not bad because when we're talking about a draft environment, like we said, we want something that's balanced. It can't be everybody grabs a mana crypt. But when you're God, looking at this, that would be, that'll be <laughs> chaos <dope>. draft. <laughs> yeah. But when you're looking at this, like, who draws uh, their mana crypt first? Quote, unquote, win. Well, when you're looking at it like an investment, Still be wary that there are some bangers in this, and they do look great. But because the set is fucking huge, your likelihood of getting them is still low. So I think it's scary to treat this like a grab bag for money, but it does look like a really dope draft environment. So Yeah, and they've been, like, I wouldn't say sketchy, but they've held back a lot of details for a while. Yeah. Obviously, we were recording this before the episode, or before this set comes out. But as of this recording, they still haven't released the price or like how many each LGSs are going to get. We don't know how available this thing is going to be, honestly. Yeah. And if it's even like it might be too hard to draft, you might only be able to get a couple packs, which just sucks. Yeah. And if they sell them as a box, it may be too expensive for most people. And if they sell them only as packs, like you said, it could be really hard to get six or eight people together and like do that. So. We'll see how that all unfolds, but that's not what this episode's about. Like you said, we're recording a little bit ahead of time to try and get some episodes in the tank. So what we decided to do is pick out some goodies that we're excited about. You guys want to give you number five? Honestly, like narrowing it down to a top five is extremely hard. difficult because there really are so many like just damn good cards. Yes. Yeah, so there are, let me find the number, there are 800 or 1,815 cards in the set, including the 121 foils that as of this recording hasn't been spoiled yet. So without that, that's what 1,694 cards in a draft set. Yes. When we normally get a quote unquote set being around 250, we said is like the average 240, 260. Yeah. Ever since they got rid of the the split sets, it's been. Yeah. So we're talking about a a massive set, which ruins your statistics when you're money drafting. That's fine. We know that. But it also means because these are all reprints, there's going to, there's bound to be some shit that everyone wants to get at. Yeah, and it just makes the variance so high. Yeah, but it also made this episode a fucking nightmare because we have to pick five so that we like. I will pick one from my list here that I think is this, uh, like, oh, of course, it's fucking Drew. He's talking about this shit again. Ah, uh, enchantments. Oh, surprise. <laughs> Enchanted Evening. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's three and a split white-blue and another split white-blue for enchantment. All permanents are enchantments in addition to their other types so this is kind of an unassuming card most people don't care oh but there are some really fun and often very uh we'll say not super table friendly things you can do with that so with enchanted evenings there's some uh less than kind combos that you have with it so cleansing meditation uh Sorcery, for one white-white, destroy all enchantments, but it also has threshold. Instead, destroy all enchantments, then return to play all cards in your graveyard destroyed this way. So, so uh, you ever wanted to play three mana for Jocko Hops? Yeah, you just blow up everybody's lands, except yours. And, and every other and artifacts. Yeah. Thing that they have. 
And then, yeah, your stuff comes back and you win that game. Gen 1, that's how you quickly lose your best friends. <laughs> Sounds yeah, brutal. so that, like that's why I'm at a crossroads because like Enchanted Evening is awesome. Yeah, but it gives more people the power to do to some do stuff like that. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's talk. Not talk about that. Let's uh, instead. No, I'm just saying that that's not a good reprint. I think that's a good candidate for a reprint. But at the yeah. same time, reprinting stuff like that, I wouldn't say they're de- degenerate cards because most of the time people aren't going to play land destruction combos and stuff like that. All right. So let's not talk about cleansing mutation. So let's talk about Aura Thief. Which, when it's put into a graveyard from play, you gain control of all enchantments. I'm not going to oh, blow God. your shit up. I'm just going to steal it. It's <laughs> mine now. It's called Mana Rant. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks for your stuff. Thank you, sir. But, yes, yeah, so you kind of see, like, the line that is going with that. Like, I love enchantments, and if I turn your stuff into enchantments, then I love your enchantments, too. So, there's so, so many, like, weird things you can do with it, but it turns Enchantress into, like, a bigger powerhouse because yeah. you have to have things for enchantress to work that are not enchantments and it just kind of gives that extra step to say it was always enchantress and it was always always enchantress so your lands enchantments your creatures enchantments artifacts that card doesn't work yeah it's, Plus it's, it's just really it's just a cool looking card yeah all, yeah like the the fucking art on it is just 10 out of 10 all right guys my fifth on my list is coat of arms it's Five that was on my list. colorless. Oh, it's got be a, a lot common. Of yeah. uh, five colorless for an artifact. Each creature gets plus one, plus one for each other creature on the battlefield that shares at least one creature type with it. Now, if you've ever seen this card in play, it's a it gets fucking wicked powerhouse. fucking complicated immediately, but it does some incredible work because it says at least one creature type with it. So when someone has a beast and someone has an elf, as long as it shares both of those types, you get all sorts of benefits from it. And people find all sorts of weird shit that people are playing that fit this. Oh yeah, most of the time people don't care about creature types unless you're playing a tribal deck, but Code of Arms makes you look and you're like, oh no, this is a shaman, merfolk, wizard. Yeah. Like I, I get <laughs> plus four, plus four. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, Code of Arms is dope because it's like... A global thing. Yeah, right? like that's why everybody gets so crazy. So it's like, oh, nice, you're playing an elf tribal, and I actually just have a random mana dork. So now my thing's plus seventeen, <laughs> plus seventeen. So this is fun. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Coat of arms is just one of those cards that's played often and can be exploited, but can also just be chaotic and cool. And people are like, oh god, what's happening? <laughs> so I'm excited to have a little more access to it. Corey, give us so, a, a pick. So I. I picked a lot of cards that they're not definitely not the most powerful because it's yeah. easy to just say I want Mana Crypt reprinted and I want ten of them and I'd so, like to get in in a five dollar draft please <laughs> yeah. yeah so I I tried to pick cards that no. are either they I think they should be more accessible to people or cards that just need to be reprinted and ironically I put Risk of Study on this but I just think it needs to be reprinted because yeah. it it being a blue staple just needed to. It either needs there. to be banned or reprinted. Yeah. And so my next one is Caged Sun. Oh, that was also on my list. <laughs> Tight. And it's just, <laughs> it might be hard to say that a six mana artifact is a staple, but it just, it helps out the colors that need it because it essentially doubles their mana when they tap for it. And I think that it's not a really broken effect. Obviously, you should kill a Caged Sun on sight, but it just provides a lot of help and support for decks that need it like red and white 
I'll keep the train going. Uh, and that train being artifacts Ooh. that are somewhat overcosted, but are also that's, just that's my list. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> bangers. <laughs> Corey. Ah, that's everything. Eldrazi Monument. Oh, okay. So this is one that Corey and I have had many conversations about. Uh, oh, yeah. Largely just being the frustration of the, the cost on it, even though it's been reprinted several times. Uh, so Eldrazi Monument, five generic mana. For an artifact, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have flying and indestructible. Oh, At wow. the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. If you can't, sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. I see no downside. Yeah, There no. usually is no downside. <laughs> so, I... First and foremost, it's colorless, so you get to choose. Yeah, so I'm a, maybe you could say a little, a little bit of a fan of Aristocrats. So you have a proclivity. Yeah. There's, I mean, you know, I've, I've played it a couple times. Yeah. And I love free sack outlets. And if you were to look at this and say, hey, you get a sacrifice creature on each of your upkeeps for free. Like, Yo, I'll pay five mana for that. Done. Now your creatures are indestructible. Get plus one, plus one and have flying so you can just dish out the damage. Sure. I honestly do not need to say more. But again, Corey kind of hit on the head where colorless is just... Like the thing that you can throw in any deck and it just gets better. Yeah. That's the big thing is like if you're doing Mardu aristocrats or, you know, Rakdos aristocrats, 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 and you have to pay that colored mana to get one of these big anthem effects. It's hard. You may have to wait an extra turn or two, but this one is just guaranteed. If you've got it in your hand, you're playing at turn five, you're fucking shit up. It's too good. Well, not too good, but it's good. Yeah, I think this is up there in token strategies is just a staple just because it's a really good finisher. Yeah. Because usually a pump effects and just flying and pump well, effects are just game over. Eldrazi is like these big, huge horrors, but they do really well with token generation as well. Yeah. And so I think this is, it's not obviously not on the level of doubling season, but I yeah. think this goes in a lot of decks of doubling season and primal vigor and uh, what, parallel, parallel lives. lives. I think a lot of those cards go together and this is just another one. Yeah. And like reasonably speaking, this is not really a top five from my list of cards here, but I think it's one of the the more interesting ones that they're reprinting. Yeah. So that's that's what a lot of my stuff because it is really easy. It's like I'm just gonna pick the five most expensive ones. Like, yeah, these are the best reprints. <clears throat> well, going along with that theme, I've also got an artifact. Not overly costed, but fits just beautifully with Drew's deck that he's brewing here. Yeah, and to be fair. The overcosted is like for anthem effects and things like that. Like, yeah, an anthem, guys, anthem, uh, any of the like black, what's it, black sun, like literally two mana cards that just pump your team. And this is five mana, granted, colorless, and does other things, but it just it feels comparatively overcosted. Yeah, and if you want to slip another beautiful, Jesus Christ, another beautiful colorless artifact in there, oh. we've got Ashnod's Altar. Oh. Sorry, uh, sacrifice a creature, add two colorless mana to your mana pool. The dudes, Which I wouldn't these? say it's too expensive. No, it's, that's actually exactly where I want that. Yeah, it's affordable, but it's just one of those ones that I feel like because there's so many different strategies that just want it in the deck that you can't have enough of them. I think a reprint of it is just always going to be a good thing. And I think a draft set with this in it is just exciting because you can draft it into your pool and go, well, I didn't really have what I wanted, but this is going to help out. It's just always useful. I don't know. Ashland's Altar is tight. uh, It's not the most expensive, but it's just a good card. You want to blink your opponent's removal and also ramp in the same, like, one-off effect? Yeah. 
Corey, we got a number three, three and a half. So my next one is Harold's Horn. Oh yeah, nice. And this is, it's just tribal support. It's a three mana artifact. When it enters, you choose a tribe. And creature spells of that tribe cost one last. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you look at the top card and you, you can reveal it. And if it shares a type with the tribe that you chose... You can reveal it, put it in your hand, and then draw another card. So it's card draw, ramp, colorless for tribes. And the only thing I like, it's all of those. Yeah. So this was reprinted in the tribal decks in uh, 2017 commander yes, decks. And I think people saw this like not as a commander staple, but it's a tribal staple. And if there's one thing people love making in commander, it's tribal decks. And guilty. That's like the only place that they shine at least nowadays. And then I think just like this card immediately went to everyone has one to I can't get one because they're $15 each. Has it really gone up then? Yeah, for a three mana artifact. And if I want to make a bad tribe, I need all these, I need as much help as I can. Especially colorless stuff. Yeah. And so you need artifacts like this just to help out those decks. It's not a back-breaking effect. It's not some un- unbeatable thing that you drop out it's just like like you said like a solid support for yeah. anything you want to build yeah it's just really good yeah it's just, which is why it's expensive yeah it's just a very versatile card and yeah I think one problem especially I think we're all guilty of is just like we just keep making more and more decks and it's just like I could have a goblin deck and then I could yeah. have an elf deck and then I could have a merfolk deck and I have all these decks so I need one for each of them because it, it as it, soon as you reach it really that is critical mass of creatures of the same type you're like well this is a good card yeah. now like I, I yeah I think it's just, it goes in so many decks, and it was criminally underprinted. So talking about three mana, $15 cards. I mean, I don't know about $15. Three mana, $15. I know, three mana, $50 cards. I mean, that's you. Uh, it's one of the cards that I've been wanting to build around for a long time. It might be three colors, a little teamer action. Is it Animar? It would be, in Animar. fact, Animar. Yeah, Animar Silver Elements is a deck I've been wanting to build for a long time, but I've been wanting to build four color Animar, which everyone's like, what? That doesn't make sense. But uh, if you add black to Animar, it actually just throws a decent amount of good cards that you want in that deck to just enjoy and to go crazy with. But Animar has been like 20 bucks for a while now. Yeah, I think that's just, he got reprinted a Master set, but that didn't really tank his price at all. Reprinted in 20, uh, Master's 25. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, his. One of his copies went up, one went down, and then they kind of both leveled out. And I was getting reprinted again, and so now he's back down to fifteen bucks instead of you know twenty twenty five, which is great because you know we need as many copies as we can because it's not really affordable. So Animar uh, is teamer, like I said, which is blue, red, green for legendary creature elemental protection from white and black. Whenever you cast a creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Animar Soul of Elements creature spells you cast cost one less to cast for each plus one plus one counter on Animar. He's a one one. Uh, so the strat is just Animorphs, but I want to do four color Animorphs because I think that some of the black uh, morphs, like blue, black, and just black, uh, are different enough that it makes the deck feel more fun to me. Who's and, your four color commander? Uh, that would be some partner commanders. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you could do Yidris. Good, but it's not really what I want to do. Okay, this this is not the most expensive card. <laughs> this is not the most expensive card. 
but this guy has a near and dear spot in my. Have you ever actually played it? Horrible. Yeah, he's in my fucking Maltrotha deck. Have you, you ever actually me? played it? Yeah, not how it was meant to be played. That's nah, the true. Get rug, and I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, get rug's broken. He is so he's good. Brutal. <clears throat> it's three black and a green for a six-six legendary creature frog horror. He has death touch, which sometimes comes into play. And it says at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice the Gitrog monster unless you sacrifice a land. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Love that. Whenever one or more land cards is put into your graveyard from anywhere, draw a card. Sounds this really guy, good in like a I don't know, maybe like a strip mine deck. Yeah, this guy is really good in a lot of decks. Actually, I think there are multiple builds where he just slots right in, but the Golgari just. Recursion deck obviously is where he just whew, shines. I think there's a lot of places for this guy to go. He's up to ten bucks right now, just yeah. standard. Which you know, bottom he's not, at two. Yeah, I mean, I think I bought him at six, which is pretty good. But still, it's not cheap. I think he deserves a reprint, and he's just fucking good at what he does. Anytime you say the name of a card, and everybody around you goes fuck. That's when you know it's like that's my next card. That's the yeah. card. Yeah, it's the it's the get rock monster. That's my guy. Oh yeah, I he's super good. Have an idea about Corey's next card is then. It's an artifact, and mm. people say fuck. Nope, it no. is an instant. Oh fuck! It is a white staple. It is annoying. That is unfortunately prohibitively bucks? expensive, but it's still a staple. Is it Tef Pro? If you have white, you have to run this card. It I is can't afford Teferi's protection. So I could sell mine from my Markov deck and buy a new deck. <laughs> yes. Basically. Yeah. <clears throat> so sold it earlier. this card, I think everybody knows what it does. You just phase out. Yep. It's stupid good. It will a lot of the times either win you the game or help you not lose the game immediately. Honestly, and the fact that it's like okay, so the comparison that I always have with Teferi's protection is Cyclonic Rift, right? Because mm-hmm. it has a very similar thing. But the difference being, of course, is that Teferi's Prediction is always, always, always going to be two and white. Whereas in order for Cyclonic Rift to really do what it does, you have to have the overload cost, right? Yeah. And so the difference there is massive. Cyclonic Rift can help you set up to win the game. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time it is kind of played as a, I don't lose the game. Whereas Teferi's Protection is, generally speaking, played as just the, I'm not losing the game. But that mana cost is just so significantly different in the way that you have to set up your turn. Because Cyclonic Rift, you do have to save up and you do have to hold on to that when you think you're going to, like, somebody else is going to go off. Teferi's Protection is like, you can have a normal turn and still be able to save your ass. Yeah, you just got to keep three mana up. I can't tell you how many times I've played with Sean, <laughs> Jockalops blowing up everybody lands, and then he, Teferi's Protection Dude, is like, well, shit. I'm pretty I had a chance, but Sean just won this game. I'm pretty sure that I've told this story before on our podcast, but I was playing against Sean and Terrence, and I blew up the whole board. Both of them had a fucking oh, yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. I killed only my own shit. I was so Gary's pissed. really good at just only, only killing myself. I was like, what is happening? To be it fair, the one time, literally the only time that I've played my fairy protection was when somebody Cyclonic Rift. Yeah, I mean, that when is, you that, gotta do that, it. I think that is the reason why it was printed because everyone's like, Cyclonic Rift is ruining the format. It's the boogeyman. It's like, we'll print you a better card. But like, yeah. it <laughs> felt so good because I, I mean, there's literally no card that I hate more than Cyclonic Rift. And it's, it's not, a boogeyman. it's not because 
Like, I think that it's unfair or unbalanced. Like, I honestly think that Cyclonic Rift is a totally fine card. It's a card that I refuse to play because of what it does to games and because of what people's reactions to it are. But, like, playing Teferi's Protection after Cyclonic Rift is is played feels so good. Like, it's just like, no. Yeah, so this is one of those cards where it's like, I don't want to see everybody playing this, but if it's either the best decks have it and nobody else gets to have it, exactly. then I think we should just give it to as many people as possible. That's the problem is that people feel like they need it and it's $40. Yeah. Uh, and that's just... Too yeah, and so yeah. I think... The thing is, though, is that like, for a card that was printed in a commander deck, it's also played in Highlander scenes. It's yeah. also played yeah, in it, Legacy. It's, a staple. Like, it's, it's insane. Like I was watching a, a Highlander tournament on uh, Twitch and it was ridiculous the fact that somebody was running to face protection because I always kind of viewed it as just, you know, a commander staple. A cheeky commander card. Right. And it's not. It was so good because it was like you you know those games where it comes down to like, you know, one person just has to swing out and they have the game. Boop. You just swung out with everything. Your defenses yeah. are open, I kill you. Yeah. Or even like CDH is like I'm gonna make infinite mana and mill everybody for infinite. It's like not today. Nah, I'm gonna I'm turn. gonna win on my turn and you yeah. won't be able to do anything yeah like obviously it is a spell you can do things in response yeah you know the the best option to stop teferi's protection <gasps> cost two mana Counterspell. blue blue yeah so good shit it's just i think wizards knew what they were doing mm-hmm. when they printed this card i i think they uh, dropped the ball on only printing it in was it one deck it was the markov deck right yep and making it white I think making a white is correct. I mean, white needs help. But if they made it colorless and put it in every deck, I think uh, that would have been better. Uh, no. I don't know how I, it would have worked. I do not want but, that many copies of Teferi's Protection. But that's I what... I mean, it's a white staple. That's what we just said. So I think yeah. if yeah. you're running white, then you need it. So Yeah, but imagine every single deck having a Teferi's Protection. That's what every deck wants. And Agreed. That, but people, I don't if think you, that Even it's... if that's the one white spell you run, that's the one you, you have because Ag- it's that good. Agreed. But I still don't think... That it's healthy. Like, if there's oh, a card yeah. that's that powerful, oh, no. that just being like, it is an auto include in white. And that's something that I really want to see less of. I think the auto includes are parasitic in the game yeah, of they, magic. They kind of stagnate it a lot. Uh, so, having something like that is not something that I want to see in colorless because there are so many good colorless spells realistically that kind of lean on auto includes that the more of those we have, the less interesting decks and games are and this is like a weird tangent that we're just continuing off of but like this is a a real card that's being reprinted and granted it's one of 1800 cards and it's a rare it is being printed at rare so it's not going to show up very often but more copies is both good and bad and i think that's kind of where we boil this down to yeah this is just goes on that list and love it or hate it it's happening. And Instead. I don't know. I think if they made it white, 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 it would have been so much better. I think yeah. double white. Because that would have been like, white needs his help. We're going to give it to white. But if we're gonna not running something. a lot of white, you can't have this powerful protection. Yeah, because the fact that it can be run in Mardu Vampires 
You can you can run it in decks that don't even have white. As long as you have a mana rock or a land that taps for any yeah. color, you can still run it. You're still hitting it. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, take a dive in these yeah, beers and we'll revisit. Inspection was a big one. Yeah. I, I knew we'd have a conversation <laughs> on it. And yeah. we kind of talked about it. it's like, oh, you have this on your list. I won't put it on my list because we knew we were going to talk about a lot of these cards. Right. Yeah. I actually, I delete you off my list because for whatever reason, you guys just didn't have any good card choice. <laughs> respect for my list. Instead, I didn't see your respect list, to be fair. My beer choices. I hope you guys don't steal my number one. Is your number one the Roadhouse Mountain Jam Volume 5 Hazy IPA at no, 6.5? If you get Watsy to print that as an artifact, I'd buy it. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's such a fucking name. Dude, I love every <laughs> single time. This is honestly, like, I think my second favorite name next to the Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout because every single time I read it, I want to just read the whole thing and it, it's just fun to like just go off with. Oh, yeah, it's 100% flavor. Yeah. I mean, it is literally 100% flavor. It's delicious. I'm 100% a fan of the tropical flavors like pineapple, guava, hops, like the floral but fruity bouquet that hops brings. It has all of that, it has a little bit of that hop bitterness, but it's not like enough to just like grind your teeth down. It's like, it's great. Like, yeah. I fucking love this beer. A lot of IPAs and these style of beers, they have these fruity flavors, but they're just sort of one note and just one dimensional. They come and go and they sort of seem like they're just additives. Well, this it actually tastes is. like pineapple and guava in beer, not just separate flavors. They all mix well together. Well, I, I think the Roadhouse is really, 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 really delicious. I was second, four reallys. Second go around <laughs> after having these hey, sweeter no beers, <laughs> it is still pretty bitter and it'll linger for a bit. But it's sweet and fruity and citrusy and fresh. Uh, so, I, I mean, if you're an IPA guy, it's perfect. If you're a fruity guy, Ooh. have that by itself. Don't go to sweeter beers and you'll really appreciate it. You should definitely go to Jackson Hole and drink this because Jackson Hole is just beautiful. I mean, Jackson Hole is dope. Yeah. Yeah. Roadhouse, you uh, you <clears throat> done the game? Congrats. We should take a road trip. Go back road to, Jackson, to Roadhouse. To Jackson just, Hole? Yeah, just go, yeah. go see the teats. Them teats. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. So we've got the Wind River Out of Order Porter. That's I, the one I'm drinking. It's a great on. name. Yeah. I honestly, like, good. when I saw that one on the, the rack, it was just like local beers. And I was like, where the fuck is this at? I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Pine out of Wyoming. Yeah. Out of Order Porter was just like a fun name to you say. Can't not buy it. Yeah. It was like, as soon as I like read it in my head, I was like, well, that's fun. And then I said it out loud and I was like, yeah, that's really fun. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Again, like my descriptor is round. It's like this really, really good, smooth, smooth, sweet porter. Oh, it doesn't have a ton of chocolate, doesn't have a ton of coffee bitters like a, a stout would go to usually. It doesn't taste high in alcohol. It's only 5.5%, but it's just malty, sweet. It's it's kind of subtle. It does, like Corey said before, it does one thing, but it does it really well. I think if you're in the mood for a porter, that'll really really tickle your fancy. So this is one of those beers that, like, when I sip on, I don't want to just take small sips. I want to take like a nice big old taste. Yeah, and I don't want to gulp it. I want to have like a long taste, and I just want to let it sit in my mouth for a while to kind of see where the flavor goes. Not and good for your teeth, by the way. Yeah, but none of this shit good. is. Well, congratulations, <laughs> you figured that out. But it's like roasty, malty, yeah. sweet, and then it's gone. And then it, yeah, it disappears. Which 
I think sometimes is what you want out of just drinks as a whole. You don't want it to be intrusive on your life. Yeah, to be fair, there's some beers that I absolutely want to linger forever. And yeah, there are some in particular. Like, I just need this forever. Land right? Shark. <laughs> that, I mean, especially, you know, my my own favorite beer. I mean, for example, the Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout from the 2017. Gold standard, Note. as it were. Yeah. Uh, like, that's one that lingers for a while, and that's one that, like, has that flavor profile that does develop forever. And but that's, it doesn't just linger bitter, and it doesn't just linger no, hot. It, it lingers it has, the whole gambit of yeah, what it gives you. Exactly. And so that's one that I do want to sit on my tongue for a while, and it does kind of linger there doing its thing, and I love that. But that's not what I want every single time. Like, that's something that's special and that I kind of want to reserve for that kind of thing, but it's not something that I want every single time I have a beer. Yeah, the complexity of that beer alone is just it's overwhelming sometimes and so i was pretty down on this the first get-go but this porter is really good and if you don't like porters you should definitely try this because it is so so approachable it's simplified it's porters simplified. yeah it's just like yeah. straight to the point and like we said it does not linger at all it's just good it's stuff just, it's honestly just sweet you know what i mean which is easy it's easy. It's super oh, sexual. I gravitate towards. Might yeah. be the lowest ABV porter we've had. <laughs> Probably. And last, but certainly not least, the beer that trekked many moons to get here. And by many moons, I mean my brother got it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I literally saw on his Snapchat. I was like, dude, that looks awesome. And he's like, yeah, it's this. And I was like, this doesn't mean anything. I'm never going to have this beer. I never go up to Montana. Surprise. And bitch. then, whoa. So this is the Kettle House Brewing Company. The coffee cold smoke scotch ale with coffee. And oh man, this one is so good. Yeah, this is a very like definitively Corey brew. Um, sediment, naturally. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's got. It's only gotten more coffee. Yeah. Yeah. When I was drinking this one for Drew's Brews, it was one that like I didn't want to like over describe like I do some of the other ones just because I knew it was something we were going to have on the show. But at the same time, like I had all of my roommates taste it and like, yo. What's your opinion? It's like, wow, that is nothing like any other beer that I've had. I've had coffee, cream ales, coffee, porters, coffee, yep. stouts, coffee, everything, you know, but this is still unique. And it has that kind of, it's not like the most complex for a scotch ale, but it has those like intense malty flavors that do develop with the coffee. Yeah. It has the, the best parts of scotch ale and coffee because like you said, Drew, what it lacks in the complexity of scotch ales, it makes up for in the complexity of the coffee bitters and yeah. just the development as that goes yeah and uh one of the the guys that we hang out with my roommates and i uh is a coffee roaster and like nice he met that guy yeah nice guy yeah he's super cool and so one of the things that, that guy fuck him <laughs> oh, come on be nice john uh but like one of the things that we want to do is actually work with him on a homebrew to get some uh like real like coffee flavor into a beer and like get his expertise on it to figure out what the best way to do that in a homebrew is. And like we, we, we've picked his brain several times and he's super down for it, but it's a matter of how we actually go about doing that. And it's going to be awesome to have somebody who actually knows coffee to do so. And I wish he was around when I had that beer because I think that he, this is, this is one that like for a non 
like beer drinker or a non-craft beer drinker that he would really appreciate. So it says right on the can, roasty, full-bodied, and clean. I think that's literally a perfect expression because it's coffee and it is beer, but clean, it clears out, it's gone. Yeah, it doesn't leave like that lingering flavor at all. And it's not acrid, it's not burnt, it's not even, I mean, it says full-bodied and roasty, but like only the slightest bit. There is no like toasty, roasty overtones that are just... That like stick out, you know. What I mean, it's just a sweet coffee beer. Yeah, if you've ever had ever had just a nice cup of coffee, this is exactly what it tastes like. Yeah, with just some cold. alcohol. I do disagree a little bit, just in that the way that cold brews are prepared, it has more of that full-bodied flavor, or sorry, more more full-bodied texture that you get out of a cold brew, and I appreciate that more than just like a, a hot cup of joe. So moving on to our back half, our our back nine. But wait, but wait, but wait, just a few more seconds before we get into the last half of this episode. I wanted to take a couple seconds to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Podcorn.com. You can explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast today by signing up at Podcorn.com slash podcasters. And I'm telling you guys, this is going to be transformative, not just for you, but also for our podcast. We use this website all the time. We're able to be choosy and find exactly the right brands that we want to sponsor this podcast. Unfortunately, you just can't keep the lights on at a podcast like this without having some sort of monetization. And this is the website to do it. You can pick and choose. You can find the perfect brands. And if you don't find them, you check in the next day and there's a whole new list of brands who are looking to sponsor podcasts. So check it out at podcorn.com slash podcasts. Let's get back to it. What's your uh, second to favorite card from this set? That's a... We're getting down to it. Yeah. So I've got two two on my list that I would like put up there. Well, you only one, pick one. You guys know what my number one is. Guaranteed. When I say it, you'll be like, oh yeah. So my second top, Defense of the Heart. It Hell is yeah, a I love this card. Goofy fucking card. It's, it's mean. But it's so cool. Hey, you like Flash Hulk? You love this card, I promise you. So it's three and a green for an enchantment. Surprise, surprise, I have many enchantments on this list. That is just how I roll. So Defense of the Heart. At the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent controls three or more creatures, you may sacrifice Defense of the Heart. And if you do, search, search for two creatures and put them into play. Any creatures, Any huh? creatures. Any creatures. Oh, why so you get Elishnorn, Vorinclex. Oh, That's what I always got in my Gabby's tea deck. You're a terrible person. Yeah, or like... That's why you had to rip that fucker <laughs> or apart. Or Shalai and Elishnorn. Like, you usually always get Elishnorn, then you get some other yeah. stupid thing. Just More lock her down. You could even get just, like, Crater of, like... It was just easy. Yeah, it's, it was it's, dumb. Yeah, there's a lot of shit you can do. Like, it literally is just, like, free Flash Hulk. Uh, it literally is just free... Hey, it's four mana... And somebody's gonna have three three creatures by the time you actually like want anything to happen. It accelerates your game plan so fast. It's an enchantment. It I, I could go on, but I I really don't need to because imagining any two creatures out of anyone's deck that they get a tutor for free and then put onto the battlefield. It's, yeah, it's tooth and nail, but for four mana. Yeah, instead of nine, and you sacrifice it, which means you could get it back. Yeah, the one thing that I have to say is that if you play this card. People will not play creatures, which sometimes that is it's a, way yeah. more helpful than tutoring for your best two things. Yeah. Because it just keeps their boards empty. It's a win-win everywhere. Yeah. yeah. The first time I was like brainstorming with this, it was just at a shop and we were like 
looking at commander decks and we're just like messing around like what if we have this what if we do that and basically could always play defense of the heart when somebody already had three creatures out which means that you just were guaranteed to get it and the deck that we found that was best was actually a just imagine this golgari graveyard synergy deck Whoa. where you could pull shit from your graveyard and then i was like yo i like that i'm putting my mold throw the deck I should put mine in Marin. Yeah, it's it's good. It's honestly ludicrous when it's good, and when it's bad, your opponents stop playing creatures. Yeah, I think like, honestly, it's like a uh, it's an underrated card. It's a sleeper. Yeah, I've never seen is. anyone play it. Yeah, but that might be because it's like fifteen twenty dollars. Yeah, but like so, it does need to reprint. But at the same time, it's like this is this. It's a yeah. good card. It's super cool, and it's like the weird kind of jank that I love, where it's like it's enchantment based creature shooters to the battlefield and it's dependent on your opponent which almost always sucks but this is like the most easy criteria to yeah. fill ever opponent has three creatures congratulations you now have two better creatures you have your two best well moving on to my card it's far less impactful uh, less impressive in every way. Birds of Paradise, and the white border is the best. I fucking one green <laughs> for a bread. zero one summon mana birds I do love the summon mana birds. Mana birds is the Hello most good. OP creature type of all time. Uh, it's so I want good. mana tribal. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so sick. Just like Basically, retroactively like type all of the creatures that do that. This is the best dork. Uh, and it says tap to add one of any color to your mana pool. Play this ability as an interrupt. Wait, what is the mana cost on that? One green. For any color. You just tap for, for any, any color. any color, yeah. So... This isn't the most overpowered card. It's not the best card. It's probably the best at what it does. However, somehow, it's been reprinted like 12 times, and it's still eight fucking dollars, and it's just a dork. Uh, I think as many times as we can reprint this card, we should. And we should do it again. And we should do it again and Once again. That's always. I think we, this definitely deserves a reprint. Solid card, not the best card, not the worst card. It's just one of those cards that sits real solidly in my heart, and I'm glad they're they're giving it another go. Corey, are you ready to reveal your top? Yes, sir, I am. You bet. I want you, know? you to save your yours for the last. Uh, what if oh, you steal God. mine? That was exactly why I wanted you to save yours <laughs> you for the last. selfish bastards. Uh, I just think it would be amusing. Corey been like leading the charge on this one, and then all of a sudden just like, can't do it. Thunder. I mean, yeah, Gone. I'll save it. I think my card is, it might be one of the best cards in this Mana Crypt. So We decided no for Mana Crypt. No, it's, Mana Crypt's too easy yeah. to say, yeah. So Yeah, reprint Mana Crypt. My number times. one is, once again, an enchantment. Okay, it's okay. not mine. Uh, it's also just one green mana, similar to what Garion's last one was. Oh, I think I might know what it is. Corey, could you just throw out a hazard a guess, please? Uh, I think it might, it might be, be a flowery boy. I think it might be a flowery boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got Carpet of Flowers. So this is a yeah. card that I've wanted to play for a very long time, ever since I actually got into enchantments and playing enchantress. Yeah. But turns out it's only legal in three formats, which is Legacy, Vintage, and Commander. And it's also been like, 30 to 40 bucks usually, right? Highlander as well? Yeah, I guess. Highlander offshoot. Yeah, Highlander is an official sanctioned. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Uh, So originally printed in Urza Saga, this card's always been like 30 to 40 bucks. It's always been expensive. And so it's just been something that's prohibitively expensive. And so Carpet of Flowers, it's an enchantment at the beginning of each of your main phases. If you haven't added mana with this ability, this turn, you may add X mana of any one color where X is the number of islands target opponent controls. 
So this has been something that I want to play strictly as like a, a fuck you to Sean. And Ooh. just because there's always someone in Commander that has islands, right? It's never going to be a dead card, realistically. Yeah, you're almost always going to get at least one or two mana off of it. And if every turn you get one mana of any color, then it's just a solid include. And at the the very, very worst, if no one is running islands, you spent one green mana on it. Like, the downside is so minimal compared to the upside. So it's very hard to interact with, as enchantments are. It comes I'm, down so fast, you get ahead so far. Yeah, and if so I'm playing an enchantress, so then it draws me an extra card for one mana. Like, there's so many good things about this card that I enjoy that as soon as I saw that it was getting reprinted in this, I was just like, yo, I, I need one. I need it fast. All right, my next and final tasty boy. The final countdown. Is Three, uh, two, one. Riss the Redeemed. Oh, yeah, dude, Reese is um, I, That is a big one, actually. Yeah, he's he's a banger. He's, I personally think, the best elf commander. Um, and when me and my mom were looking through her old janky modern deck, uh, she has a very good elf ball. I mean... Good is relevant. Kitchen, it's, kitchen table. Okay, so it's not a good modern deck, nor is it a good deck as a whole, but she has a good pile of cards that will make an incredible elf commander deck. Just sitting in there is Concordant Crossroads. She's just got it just chilling. I was like, Mom, what the it's fuck spicy is this? meatball. She's like, I don't that up. Yeah. yeah. So Ooh, I was man. looking at who's going to command this incredible horde of elves, and I wanted to do Reese, and I realized, oh, my God, the dude's $45, 26 now, but I'm pretty sure when I looked it up, it was even more. Yeah, Reese has been expensive for a while. Yeah. He's one mana, green or white, so it's a split cost. For a 1-1 legendary creature elf warrior, 2 and a split cost Selesnia mana, tap, put a 1-1 green and white elf creature token into play. Also from the Lorwyn Shadowmore block, which is one of my like surprisingly like favorite sets because I keep on finding cards from those blocks that I want to play over and over again. And then 4 and 2 split cost Selesnia mana, tap... For each creature token you control, put a token into play that's a copy of that creature. Busted. Holy shit. So you're in colors that are good with making tokens and making an incredible amount of mana. Uh, This token doubler is, it gets out of control really fucking quick. All right, Corey, this this, uh, countdown has been inching its way towards your final pick. It's definitely not the most exciting card. Oh, it's Sol Ring. No. Oh. <laughs> Sol Ring is actually getting printed in the set. I don't know if it's you guys saw that. It's cool. Half as good as Sol Ring. Oh. Command Tower. Maybe like a fourth as Mox good Diamond. as Sol Ring. Uh, medallions. Rubies. It's uh, a two-mana artifact. Okay. Uh, Swiftfoot Boots. That goes in every deck. Swiftfoot okay. Boots. Lightning Greaves. It helps out. Lightning Greaves. It's a mana rock. It is Thought Vessel. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. And I was like, oh, it's Two mana, tap for a colorless. I don't care about that. You have no maximum hand size. I care about that. Yeah. For whatever reason, this two mana artifact that makes card. one colorless mana $10 is $10. I try and put it in every single deck. And it goes was, in every deck. I was actually going to buy a shitload of them. And then it went up to $10 instead of the $5 that it was previously when I looked. And I was like, I cannot afford... 11 of those. Yeah, so this is, I think, the card that needs a reprint the most, not because it's the most broken, not because it's crazy, incredible, winny the game, 
but it just helps out so many decks. Everybody wants this card. Everyone wants it in every deck. It's, it, I'm not going to say it's as powerful as Soaring because almost nothing is as powerful as Soaring, but it is comparable in that you, if you put Soaring in a deck, you probably should also put Thought Festival in a deck just because it helps out so much. If you put... If you run any mana rocks, yeah, you, I was, was going to say. Like, Thought Vessel should be one of those mana rocks because two mana mana rocks are so much better than three and above. Even though any they ramp generate sources. colorless, yes, they still make such a massive impact. And the fact that it has that static ability, like the amount of times that I just want that in general. Yeah, like, you every time that you have it, or, you'll you'll always be thankful for it. Yeah. You'll never be like, oh man, I have no maximum hand size. What the fuck. <laughs> I think this is just a I staple. I think it should be reprinted as many times as Sol Ring, because if they can reprint a banger like Sol Ring, they can throw us a bone and put Thought Vessel in. No, never mind. I was gonna say that excuse doesn't even matter anymore because they only reprint Sol Ring in Commander, you know, yeah. precons. But I think Thought Vessel is only. Been I think the in? last time it was reprinted was the 2015, right? Is the 2015, and then subsequently the Commander Anthology, oh, which right. had the 2015 decks. Yeah. But, yeah, like... But other than that, it's just we can't get it anymore. Yeah. It I don't know why. Like, they have cards. Arcane Signet, which is better in a lot of ways. Oh, most... Yeah. But, it's like a color mana? Yeah. Or two mana? What the fuck? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think even though Carpet of Flowers is something I want to play forever, Thought oh, yeah, something it's definitely that I always want to play. Card. It's, and it's not, like, that much, but it's just... If Soul Ring costs less than it... And Sol Ring is a much better card. Right, but Sol Ring's also been printed in every Commander deck. Which is what but I think they the should point. do. Yeah, it's that oh, I think, I think it deserves more. being there. All right, guys. I think that's a pretty good little list. Obviously, there's still, what did we say, 121? 120? 121. 121. <sighs> cards that do, we don't even know what they are in I kind of hope they don't spoil them until people pull them. That'd be cool. I think that'd make a lot of people mad. I think yeah, it'd be cool because I don't know if we're going to buy any, but... Yeah, when was the last time people <laughs> didn't know what the full set was until people had the cards? Yeah, I think that's another one of those predatory things because people are going to look at it and go, what if I hit the jackpot? And then it may not be. Yeah, it's like, but oh, again, what if all of these things are reprinted? It's like, no, nah, we're printing basic lands Yeah, if, if that's what they do, though, I mean... That would almost be more intriguing to me than what they have now. You know what I mean? Like, I know this is going to cost a lot, and I know exactly what potentially yeah, I get. Yeah, I wish more would give us get. fucking more information on what the fuck this says. Yeah, I don't about. know why they're yeah. spacing out. So we're like, we didn't hear anything about it all through December, January, yeah. into February. Now it's like, oh, by the way, this is coming out in March. Yeah, I think looking at it as just a chaos draft set is the right way to do it. Obviously. We'll get some reprints out of it. I don't know if it'll be enough to substantiate the market and like affect prices just because of how things are uh, realistically rated rarity wise. Shouldn't be yeah. anything to like impact yeah. the market just because of the massive. If you think people are going to yeah. pull enough mana crypts to make it less expensive, you're probably I mean, it's just, already it's already dreaming. dropped the it's, price on yeah. every sub two hundred dollars, which is yes, still but very that's very expensive. Speculative drop. I'm talking about a significant but, way because there's availability. Right. It's not going to happen. But the fact that it's already impacted the market in the way that it has, like all of the cards that I've named, have dropped like. Uh, realistically about 20% or so 25% and yeah. a lot of those cards that's a significant margin when you think about those cards individually yeah, but like Animar dropping drops. to $15 from $20 like I could actually buy an Animar for $15 right now whereas before yeah. 
before there was any any spoilers, any information about this, Animar was a twenty dollar card. Realistically, there's not going to be enough Animars coming out of that set to bring Animar from a twenty dollar card to a fifteen dollar card. Yeah, right now I can do that. Right, like just the speculative cost is enough to bring those cards down. Right, which is why I think the product is a bust. Right, this is a speculative cost. This is an investment beforehand. As soon as this set comes back out. It's all going to go back to where it was because there's not going to be enough to affect that change. This is literally like the stock market going, oh, something's happening at Apple. The stock drops. Well, it's going to go back because Apple's still going to be strong, right? Unless, you know, 10,000 mana crypts are pulled, there's not going to be enough to drop that price permanently. Right. The speculative cost, I think that's really where players like us are going to take full advantage. If you're looking to buy an Anvar, save 25% 25% right now. Buy it. Don't wait for the set. Don't try and pull it in a pack. Buy it now. I think this is a, it's still just a really weird set. And nobody really knows what to expect from it because but that's also of. Also, because we don't know what the fucking cost of it is, right? Yeah. Like well, it, and, and nobody's ever drafted from that big of a pool, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like 1,800 cards is a significant change to the statistics that you're looking at, true. both in how you prepare to play that set or what you want to call it and how you try to spend your money in there yeah to be fair like the biggest pool that i've drafted from was a cube of 1200 that's huge yeah it was way too that's much a gigantic like fucking cube yeah like realistically it was like yo we're just shuffling together a bunch of cards for literal hours after the, the previous one went off and then we're just cherry picking randomly what cards go into it and it's based on the number of people there were. And then it was like, yo, here, here are the list for this cube. Go for it. See, that sounds awful. But no, it was really fun. how much did it cost? Five bucks to enter? I think it was like eight. Ten? Eight? If this, if this, if this set was eight dollars to enter a draft, I'm fucking oh, yeah. in. Eight dollars to it's get not three packs. Be. The difference being, yeah. with this cube, we didn't keep the cards, right? Right, of Whereas course. Whereas this yeah. one, you know, you're going to keep the cards keep and you could cards. get some fucking insane, yeah. you know, bombs out of it. Again, I, th- I think it's really contingent upon the MSRP or the there is no MSRP secondary resale, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, I think this might be the answer to everybody's complaining about reprints and commander sets and stuff like that. But and like we had awesome bangers in Battle Bond and stuff, oh yeah, but people Battle were like, Bond "I want more, I want more," and so maybe they're just like, "Fucking just have everything." Like we'll disguise it as a chaos draft set. I don't care. Just get all these cards out. Shut your mouth. So people Where's, can just say, yeah. oh, this did just get reprinted. Even though yeah. you might not be able to get a copy, but they're like, get it. no, yeah. it just got reprinted. So <laughs> I'm not going to put, we're not putting Teferi's Protection in the new commander dude. sets. We're not putting all these things in the new commander sets because they just got reprinted. Where's my JTMS? Don't, don't worry about them. That's what's crazy. That's, is like, that's what people are holding out for the foils because they think a lot of modern uh, yeah. staples are yeah. going to be there. So <laughs> if they've already Pray, been spoiled at this point, fingers. hell yeah. All these foils look awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to pull this card. <laughs> if not, bummer. If they're trash, then yeah, that I sounds think that like a cash grab. They're leaving so much hype to the foils that there's no way they're not going to be significant. Reprints, that's that's right? that's like, why. Like I, it's weird, but if you just look at uh, a lot of modern lists and a lot of Pioneer has a big impact too, but price is just tanking, especially because the just the super hard bannings they did a couple months yeah. ago. Month and a half ago, it's just 
modern is hurting right now. Modern, yeah, modern is and a lot of people are just experience. waiting for this set to either revitalize it or just. But where wait where, until the, the next second set. exist? Right, I, like that's the thing. I don't know. We're talking it's, about it, it being literally the is pioneer, random cards, like Pioneer Masters, which doesn't make any sense to me based on the cards that are in there. But who the fuck knows what Watsi's got in their heads? Yeah, that's why I think this might just money. be like a shotgun approach. It's like let's just cover as much reprint ground as possible. We we'll throw Mana Crypt in there just because people want Mana Crypt, and they will buy the ever living shit out of the set just to pull a Mana Crypt for six bucks or whatever how much pack costs. It certainly appeals to. A certain group of magic players just in generals. Yeah. So I think they're gonna do okay <laughs> when they sell it. So honestly, I think that's a good wrap up of uh, you know, this entire gigantic, ginormous, incredible set. Um There's a lot could, going on. I was gonna say we could go on for days and days about what could potentially be, but with the limited information that we have as far as how this product is going to be placed and what it's gonna cost, this is about all we're comfortable with even talking about right now. It's just what we're excited about. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, listening to us ramble about our favorites in this set. And as we like to say on this podcast, have fun. Let us know what your favorite card of the set is. It's Brittany, bitch. (laughs) 